0: you in Jesus. Amen. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for meeting with us tonight. Hearing all of our prayers and all of our concerns, Lord. And we know, Lord, that we do not earn anything, any merit. There's not, nothing we owe unto you but worship, Lord. And there's nothing that we can offer you, O oh Lord, that that allow you for for you to have pity upon us, O oh Lord. But it's because of your grace and it's because of your mercy that we are heard. And now, Lord, we are praying unto you now as we are about to hear your word, O Lord. And as we read these scriptures, we know, Lord, that this topic that we are about to discuss and about to have preached unto us and exhorted unto us, O Lord, is a topic that many shy away from in the church and is to our own peril. We pray, Lord, that you would help us to truly understand the giftedness and the blessedness that comes in you, O Lord. And we pray, Lord, that as we read your word and as we are being exhorted tonight, you will help us, O Lord, to have hearts that are filled with purity, purity that comes from the Lord Jesus Christ. We need to be washed in mind, body, and soul. And we pray, Lord, that the Spirit would do just that, correct our thinking, train us in righteousness, And most of all, Lord, help us to love one another and to love you with all of our heart, soul, mind and strength. For this is our calling. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Please rise as we hear a word of the Lord. The exhortation is going to come from chapter four, um, the second part of uh, verse three on to verse eight. But as I said before, this is a working out of the prayer from the previous chapter. And so the previous chapter, we're going to go to uh, verses uh, start in verse 11 and chapter three and then move on to the priest text. This is a word of our God, and please listen to it meekly for this is concerning your soul. Now, may our God and father himself and our Lord Jesus direct our way to you. And may the Lord make you increase and abound in love for one another and for all, as we do for you, so that he may establish your hearts blameless and holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus with all his saints. Finally, then, brothers, we ask and urge you in the Lord Jesus that as you receive from us how you ought to walk and to please God, just as you are doing, and that you do so Because the Lord is an avenger in all these things, as we told you beforehand and solemnly warned you. For God has not called us for impurity, but in holiness. Therefore, whoever disregards this, disregards not man, but God, who gives his Holy Spirit to you. Amen. That is a reading of God's word. Please, please be seated. The title uh, that I have for this exhortation is going to be a change from the bulletin, um, basically just to help us to understand it and have this understanding of a quick title of remembrance. I've been corrected, and that's the good thing about being a young man. You get corrected a lot. And so I've been corrected that I should have a title that's very easy to remember um, and easy to understand. And so the title is The Call to Sexual Purity. Now, before we start into our preached text tonight, we need to understand that the Apostle Paul really had a desire and love for all of God's people. He loved the church. He desired them to be more and more holy and loving towards one another and especially towards our God. And that's the context. He's, this is a letter of big encouragement to these newly found Christians. He found this church and 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 they are learning and they are loving one another. But the apostle Paul does not want them to go back to once to, to those idols they once served. These are Gentile Christians mostly. And he does not want them to go back to living like Gentiles. And so basically the next few uh, sermons, basically onto the end, is about this prayer being worked out amongst these uh, Christians that's, that's in Thessalonica. He wants them to be, have hearts that are blameless and holy before the Lord. And everything that's after that is concerning that. Is concerning their sanctification. Now, as he mentioned that this is the will of God for our lives, that we should be sanctified, made holy before the Lord. After he says this, the first thing he mentions, the very first thing, is that we abstain from sexual immorality. Why? Because this is definitely the work of paganism. This is, the, this is the life that they came from. Gentile believers were known for participating in this sin. All types of, all types of uh, sexual immorality in their day. And that's why he wants to address this, this issue. And it's one of the most frequent ways that men, that men and women Fall in the body of Christ It's this due to sexual immorality. So this is a topic that knowledge churches are not comfortable with talking to their their, their members about. But this is something that, that plagues the body of Christ. We've heard a sermon about unity this morning, and you can line up many and many churches many and many pastors and many and many members who have fell victim to this sin and caused disunity among their denomination, among their churches. There is a lot of things that's that's riding upon this sin. If you continue to live in sexual immorality, it hurts the body of Christ, and it ends up causing disunity, and that's why it's so important. It is so important for us to get this right. Churches have compromised on this issue. But we, as God's people, are not to compromise on this issue. We do not want the world out there teaching children, our children, about sex, marriage, or anything like that. Why? Because the world will give them all types of of perverse things, and we, as a church, should be able to address these things freely, comfortably. So, the teaching is, Christians must abstain from all sexual immorality by controlling their sexual desires and conduct. The Lord will judge all who despise this calling, and this is a calling that's from the Holy Spirit. Point one, Christians must abstain from all all sexual immorality. And we can see this in the second part of the verse. He he just says it plainly. This is the will of God for you, that you abstain from sexual immorality. Now, in the previous sermon, we've talked about progressive uh, sanctification. And in that, we know that we can never be perfect in this life. We all will struggle against the flesh. It's a battle until the very last day we die. And there is always indwelling sin amongst believers. And therefore, every believer is capable of all sins. All sins, especially sexual immorality. And that's a, that's a warning for all of us. Just because you, do, you may not struggle with certain aspects of sexual immorality now, you need to be watchful because there's indwelling sin in each and every one of you. It's in me. And so we need to be watchful and that that is the reason why we need to understand this process of of, uh, progressive sanctification. But not every person struggles with certain parts of sexual immorality. You know, there's a book, I won't mention the title or the author, but he started, basically the author started discussing, uh, the book was basically about how uh, every man struggles with pornography. That's a lie. Not every man does struggle with pornography. Not every man struggles with homosexuality. Not every man struggles with all types of sexual immorality. Not every woman does. And so we must not put ourselves in a comfortable state saying, well, everybody struggles with this. That's not true. That's not true. We must understand that it is by the power of the Holy Spirit we can put to death many aspects of sin. However, just because you don't struggle with it now doesn't mean you should not be watchful. And you are always to be watchful towards sin. Sin is crouching, crouching around and is seeking to devour you. So Paul is exhorting, he's exhorting them not to go back to living like pagans. Do not go back to that life. There, now some of the Thessalonians may have not been struggling in this area, but he's telling all of you, no matter how immature you are, no matter how mature you are, no matter how young, no matter how old, watch this sin, do not, you must abstain, you must flee, in other passages he says flee sexual immorality, flee it, run from it. Now, before we talk about sexual immorality, we must talk about sexual morality, morality. Sexuality is a result of creation and the context is displayed in marriage, it's a gift. And it's interesting that most of the gifts that are in creation, work, Sabbath, marriage, is being defamed and and, and just crushed in our day. It's being disgusted in our day. It's, 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 It's just shown to be filthy. But sex is not filthy. Sex is a gift. And the context is displayed in marriage. You can read this in Genesis 2. In the beginning, Adam was by himself. But then the Lord gave him rest, and he made Eve from his side. This is one of the first lessons Adam had to understand himself. God made all the beasts that are in the field, presented the beasts towards Adam. Adam named him by name, but Adam could not find a beast to to have a companionship with. What is that telling Adam? You are not a beast, Adam. You are not to partake in beastly things. You are, suppo- you are made in the image of God. God breath breathed life into your, your soul. And you are made in the image of God. Therefore, you are not to act like beasts. If God wanted us as human beings to partake in God's creation in a way where we are eating whatever we want to eat, having sex whenever we want to have sex, having, in, moving forward in our sinful desires, he would have made us a rabbit or something. He would have made us a cocker spaniel. He would have made us a German shepherd. But we are not beast. We are made in the image of God. And that's the first thing that Adam learned. You are not a beast. And so what does he do? He made made, uh, Eve for him. He could not find a companion among the animals. So men and women are part of each other. They were made for intimacy within marriage. The Bible even uses marriage as a sign of intimacy between God and his church. That's why God is, is so jealous over his church that he says, y'all and, 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 and for Israel, y'all are whoring after these gods. y'all are committing adultery when it comes to, when it comes to me being your husband. Marriage displays this, it displays and describes the relationship between God and His people. The Bible starts with a marriage and it ends with a marriage. That's how important marriage is. And so, understanding all that, there is nothing sinful about sex itself. Nothing sinful. On the contrary, it's biblical and it glorifies God whenever it's biblical. Now, he says the Christian is to abstain from sexual immorality. All forms. Abstain, what does that mean? Keep away. Be far away from. Again, in other places he says, flee. Flee sexual immorality. And what is this word, sexual immorality, in the Greek? It's pornania, pornia. It's where we get the word porn. And this word is all sexual immorality. It stands for all fornication, all marital unfaithfulness, prostitution. And it's just a generic term in some scriptures for sexual sin of any kind. And that is what Paul is telling them to abstain, abstain from. You are not to partake in this. Pornania does doesn't only mean watching explicit content. It does not have to be that. All forms of sexual immorality. Sexual immorality was common among the Gentiles, and this is why, again, one of the first things addressed with regards to the Gentile church in Acts 15 With regards to the first presbytery or first general assembly, what did they say? Abstain from sexual immorality, along with meat sacrificed to idols. Apostle Paul condemned this in 1 Corinthians, says if you practice sexual immorality, you will not inherit the kingdom of heaven. It should not be named among us. Holiness requires purity in our bodies. It requires purity in our minds, and it requires purity to all of our affections. And that's what we ought to watch out for. Now, I'm going to lame many things right now because some of these things, again, are attacked in our day, but there should be no, uh, no mistake and no, basically no confusion on this, these matters with regards to sexual sin. Number one, Thing you need to understand, you are to have your whole self in a new covenant relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. That is the first thing you need to get right. You are in a new covenant relationship with your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You submit to him as a king. You are in covenant with him and you are to listen and love him and obey him. He is his bride is the church. First thing you need to understand. Understand but you need to abstain for all abominable sex. Bestiality, sodomy, sexual acts between women, incest, transgenderism, explicit pornography, all that stuff needs, it's it's abominable. It's disgusting and we need to look at it as disgusting. It needs to be thrown away with, gone away with, adultery. Something that's explicitly stated in the Ten Commandments, you are to run away from adultery, not to talk about, not to flirt with adultery. So those who, do, who commit adultery, you must, you must not ever marry again. Why? Because that partner that you marry again, you, you allow them to be in adultery. Adultery is not a sin to be played with. Again, God looks at marriage in a way that he looks at his church. We are not to play with this sin, adultery. And that's in Matthew 5, 32, 1 Corinthians 7, uh, 12, and 13. Inappropriate comments. Again, we got to stay away from ways where we are tempting one another to the sin. So inappropriate comments, touching, flirting with someone that's not your spouse. That should not be amongst all Christians. Fornication. Again, this is something that's, uh, we see fornication as just as prevalent in the church and outside the church at times throughout, throughout this age. And young people, teenagers, all you, you need to understand, if when you grow up and you love, you, you start to notice that you're attracted to the opposite sex. Well, praise God for that. Seriously, these days, praise God. And I'm not being hyperbolic here, and I'm not taking the Lord's name in vain. This is serious. Praise God that you have the attraction to the opposite sex. But you have to prepare. It's a time to prepare. You cannot participate. You must prepare to understand what, biblically, what it means to be a wife, biblically, what it means to be a husband. Prepare yourself, study the scriptures, ask your parents about many things with regards to this. But you are to flee fornication. Do not have inappropriate comments, touching, whatever it is. And even those who are married, sometimes you come to churches and people are flirting with your spouse. What's up with that? That happens in many churches. People flirt with you. You come to church, somebody's flirting with your husband. Somebody's flirting with your, your wife. Saying inappropriate comments and say, well, I'm just joking. Yeah, you're joking. This is not nothing to joke about. This is not nothing to play with. This is what should not be named among God's people. Do not play with this sin. There's nothing to joke about here. When when sex with sex, it is a good, a very like I said, it's a very good thing. But when we talk about and start flirting with disaster, do not play. You deserve to be rebuked. You deserve to be rebuked. So inappropriate comments, touching, flirting, someone that's not your spouse, fornication, polygamy, Matthew nine. Genesis 2, you may think that, well, that doesn't happen in the church. There in this day and age, this, this is happening. This is happening. It's it's coming back. Polygamy. Rape, of course. Of course. We should not basically, somebody should give you, your wife or your husband should give you the consent. And this is attacking a lot of actually. High patriarchal churches, high patriarchal churches where the man, if, he's, if he wants it, the woman must give it up. That's dangerous. that's rape. You are not to do that. High patriarchal churches, that's what happens, and it's about to be exposed in so many ways. All things that tend to impure actions, imaginations, lustfulness, Matthew 5:28. Matthew 15, 19, you must abstain from willfully speaking, hearing, or writing with regards to sexual immorality. Again, you can read Ephesians 4:29, Proverbs 7, verse 18, 21. Sexual looks and receiving temptations in your heart, enticing others. Second Peter chapter 2, verse 14. Isaiah chapter three verses sixteen to twenty-six, Ezekiel twenty-six verses thirty-six to forty-nine, immodest behavior, Proverbs seven thirteen, all sexual entertainments, movies, pictures, novels. Again, Ezekiel twenty-three verses fourteen to twenty-one. All these scriptures are implied with regards to these sins. Friendships with immoral people, bad company corrupts good morals. Genesis 34, 1, Proverbs 5, verse 8 to 12. Being idle. What was David's sin before he sinned against Bathsheba? It wasn't that he went to the top of the roof and just saw her bathing. That wasn't the first sin. The first sin, he should have been on his job doing what kings are supposed to do. He was being idle. And so that made a way for sexual immorality to come into his heart. One sin leads to another sin leads to another sin. We got to be watchful for being idle. Lack of discipline in eating and drinking. You might say, well, what does that have to do with it? Well, first of all, look at Proverbs twenty-eight, thirty, Jeremiah 5, verse 8. First Peter four verse three, a lot of again. What we need to understand is that we are not beasts. We are not beasts, and when we give ourselves and our and our desires and our affections without any constraint, without any uh, discipline, it leads into other sins. Delaying marriage. Another thing very prevalent in our day, young people who are maybe maybe older people who are basically together for about five or six years, what are you doing? What are you doing? You must not delay marriage. You do not have. Now, There are, again, there are some things that are financial reasons, maybe distance and things like that. That is to be taken in consideration, of course. That's that's. But when there's no reason to delay the marriage, you allowing yourself to be able to commit sexual immorality. Do not play with this sin. Vows of singleness. Some people do that, and and it's it's prevalent, definitely prevalent in the. Catholic woman, Catholic church. But it's all around. Matthew 19, verse 10 through 11, you must not have that. You must not vow for singleness if you do not have that power. Depriving your married partner of sex. That's your spouse. If you deprive them of sex, you are entering into a place where there can be Sexual immorality. That is is sexual immorality itself. You do not have right over. Your spouse has rights over your body. That's the gift of marriage. So all these sins and then there's some again, it's like one of those Paul's lists in Galatians five. It's like all these sins will keep you from uh, the kingdom of heaven. But then there's more. But I can't list them all. But these are some of the major things that's prevailing in our day, and we must must watch against these things and abstain from them of all times. Now, you may say, believing all this will keep me from enjoying things of this culture. You may say, (laughs) this will provoke a radical change amongst us. Exactly. That is the point. Save yourself from this wicked and perverse generation. It's all around, and it has crept in the church. And it took us a while to really get this until homosexuality and transgenderism started knocking on our door. Where were we when we 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 saw this pornography? Where was this? Where was where was this zeal when we saw adultery? We compromised a long time ago, and this is a this is something that we should. Never have compromised at all. We should repent from not fleeing sexual immorality. Sexual immorality. There needs to be a holy hatred towards it. It's the one thing to struggle, but how are you struggling? It goes back to that. I know there are some people who struggle in some aspects of sexual immorality, but the point is, how exactly are you struggling? What again? What eyes have you plucked out? What hands have you chopped off? Do you still have the laptop next to you while you're sleeping? Do you still have all these apps on your phone? You must put it away, put put it all away. You must do whatever it is that is causing you or allowing you to have this this thought in your mind but before you get into all that you have to have a holy hatred towards it you got to recognize the dis, how, how disgusting it is and you must you must recognize how love how much how, how much you love god you must see the love and the glory of god himself and you must have an increased Infathomable, unfathomable love to, towards him. And you must submit to him and love him. And that, that will definitely, in itself, by the power of the Holy Spirit, will help you to battle against the sin. Second point, Christians must control their sexual desires and conduct. This is in verses 4 to 6. He says that each one of you know how to control his own body in holiness and honor, not in the passion of lust like the Gentiles who do not know God, that, that no one transgresses, transgresses and wrong his brother in this matter. And that's the first part of verse 6. One thing we need to understand, all Christians are to pursue this duty. All Christians, no matter how young you are, no matter how old you are, No matter how mature you are, no matter how immature you are, all Christians are to pursue this duty. He uses this word control. This has an idea of mastery over something, to possess something. You are to control and master your body. You are not to give it to a harlot. You are not to give it to anything immoral you are to control and master this, and this is very important. Again, this, these are young Christians, and the one thing that, that Paul has said, the first thing he says is abstain from sexual immorality. When the Gentiles were have the first presbytery, they said, in that letter, they said abstain from sexual immorality. If you do not master this, this is the basic tenets of Christianity. If you do not master this, the best thing that you can be, I don't care how many books you have, I don't care how many how much theology you know, it does not matter. These, this is the basic understanding of Christianity. You are to master your own body, control your own body. You may be an immature believer at best because this is something that if you are continually... Falling into this sin, again, you are an immature Christian at best. And you need to continue to strive towards the Lord to put to death this sin. Now, he says the body, and this is where you get uh, different translations uh, with regards to this. Uh, Because body can be translated as vessel. Um, And a lot of, even if you look at the bottom of the ESV and maybe if you have an NIV, It said, "Well, basically, it's it's asking the man to basically men should go find a wife, go pursue a wife. Why does it say that? Because vessel is normally put towards a wife or a woman, and that's where Peter gets uh, the weaker vessel. That part, right in in in, uh, First Peter." I don't think that fits here, because even if you say vessel for the weaker wife, it implies that you, the husband's a vessel, too. So um, that's not really, you know, sustainable here. Um, but there's, there's another translation where it says the vessel is a wife, but you are to treat your wife in an honoring manner in a, in a God honoring manner. Um, you're not to treat your vessel, your wife, in a way that pagans do. Again, those are definitely implied in the, with regards to sexual morality. But what I think Paul is saying here is the body, your, your body in general, controlling your, your body. Um, and that falls in line of treating your wife not like Gentiles would treat their wives. And that, that involves you being, if you're single, finding a wife or, or finding a husband. So, so the body is the vessel of the soul and the spirit. And therefore, it is to be honored. Your body is to be honored. You are to honor your body. It must be kept pure from defiling lusts acts of uncleanness dishonor the body. This is what Paul says in Romans chapter 1, verse 24. It says, wherefore God also gave them up to uncleanness through the lust of their own hearts to dishonor their own bodies between themselves. Sexual immorality dishonors your body, and so we are must abstain from all acts of uncleanness. The body is part of Christ's purchase. He purchased your body. He purchased, purchased your soul. And therefore, you must honor God with your body and glorify the Lord. The Christian is to demonstrate, basically what we see in this passage, the Christian is to demonstrate that he is in a covenant relationship with God and his people. That is why Paul is saying, Do not act like Gentiles who know no God. You are in a covenant relationship with him. And again, this is expressed in many of Paul's letters, many of Paul's letters. that, That Christians should have an understanding that Christ is for them and God is for them and that they are in an intimate relationship with their Lord. The roots of all sexual conduct is the ignorance of that. It's the ignorance of knowing who God is. How do we know that? Romans 1, verse 24 to 27. Therefore, God gave them up in the lusts of their hearts to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves, because they exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshiped to serve the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. For this reason, God gave them up to dishonorable passions for their women exchanged natural relations for those that are contrary to nature. And the men likewise gave up natural relations with women and were consumed with passion for one another. Men committing shameless acts with men and receiving in themselves due penalty for their error. And so God gives people up to their passions, to their lusts. It's one of the the most dangerous judgments God can give upon a person. It's one of the most dangerous judgments God can give upon a nation. It's one of the dangerous judgments God can give upon a church. We must be watchful of this. To know God is to have a covenantal context of a relationship with him and you are not to be like a Gentile. He's telling these Gentiles not to be like Gentiles that know no God. He's putting them in a in a, uh, in a frame that these Gentiles are members of God's covenant. And that's how he starts off this whole epistle. He talks to them as if they are Israel. And they are, they are engrafted in. These are Gentiles that are united with Christ as well as those who are Jews who believe. And so he's calling them, you are in a covenant relationship with your God. And this is the promise of the Old Testament, Jeremiah 31, 34. And no longer shall each one teach his neighbor and each his brother saying, know the Lord. And by the way, that word know is the same word that is used when Adam knew his wife. It's an intimate relationship of knowing the Lord. It says, And no longer shall each, te- each one teach his neighbor and each his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me, from the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity, and I will remember their sin no more. That is a gift of the new covenant. And so Paul is calling these Gentiles not to be like Gentiles who know no God. And he views, them, he views them as members of, of Christ's covenant. Galatians 5.24, he says, And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Again, Christ has purchased your body. He has purchased your soul. And so you crucify the flesh with its passions and desires. Well, he also gives another motivation well, another reason why we should do this. He says that we are not to transgress with regards to another brother. We are not to transgress or wrong other members of this body. Transgress means overstepping the law, trespassing. You are in forbidden territory. That's what he means by transgress. Enticing sexual conduct on your brother and his family, you harm your brother. And that is why There is much disunity amongst Christians as we seek to have unity. We cannot have unity without purity. And when there's much purity in the church, especially when it goes to sexual sin. That's what happened with the Corinthian, a lot of the problems with the Corinthian church. Sexual impurity cannot be named among God's people. And so you sin against your brother when you do not control your sexual conduct. It doesn't matter if it's privately. Really, there's no such thing as private sins. Because we're all connected. We're we're connected in one blood, one faith, one baptism. Do not think you're, you're getting away with anything by doing this by yourself. No sin is private. God sees it, the angels see it, the church triumphant sees it, and we are all connected. And when one member suffers, we all suffer. This is not a sin. You, you are sinning against your brother, and you are sinning against God himself. But what are you con- to consider as you battle against this, this sin? What is the application of the Christians must control their sexual desires and conduct? Well, first of all, according to this text, you ought to consider that Christ has purchased you. Christ died on the cross for you. He loves you. He, he bled for you. And therefore, you must consider that Christ has purchased you. He has purchased your body and, he, and you ought to use your body for good. Do you not love your Lord? Love him, honor him. And the ultimate motivation, this leads us to the ultimate motivation. The ultimate motivation is love, love of God and love for his people. That's the ultimate motivation. Why? Because God has loved us. He looked upon us whenever we were down before, before everybody, before the, the immorality that was in His age. There was so much immorality, but God chose us before the foundation of the world. And he made a covenant with us. He dwelt among us. Remember this with regards to this sin. This is a sin, again, not to be played with. But there's hope here. We are, we are talking about the God who parted the Red Sea. We are talking about the God who made the heavens and the earth. Can he not give you power and victory over this sin? I know that there is Many people who struggle against many sins—it's not just sexual immorality. It could be gluttony. It could be all types of things. This is the problem with regards to indwelling sin among among us. You may not struggle against adultery at this point, but you can, yourself can attest can testify as a Christian. Ten years into the to the Christian faith, there is a sin that you thought you would never have done. Sin you thought you would never even think of doing, but you did it. Why? Because the indwelling sin that is in you. And that's why we must always be watchful. We must always be watchful with regards to this. Ten years into Christian life, what is this alcoholism that I'm dealing with? Ten years into the Christian life, what is this anger that we're dealing with? Ten years into the Christian life, what is this all of a sudden pornography? Why does that happen? Because we are not watchful. We need to understand there's indwelling sin in each and every one of us. And we must be watchful of this. But the ultimate understanding of this is that there's no private sin. And that you are to love God and God loves you and and, and wants the best for you. Now, the last point, the Lord will judge all who despise this calling of the Holy Spirit. This is found in the second part of the verse. Verse six, it says, as we told you beforehand and solemnly warned you, well, before that, that no one transgresses his wrong, wrong his brother in this matter, because the Lord is an avenger, is is an avenger in uh, in all these things. As we told you beforehand and solemnly warned you, for God has not called us for impurity, but in holiness. Therefore, whoever disregards this, This regards not man, but God who gives his Holy Spirit to you. The Lord will judge all who continue to practice in this sin. And realize that Paul is talking to Christians here. Judgment starts at the household of God. The one who practices sin has wronged himself and has wronged others. And it says the Lord will avenge. We can see this in Hebrews chapter 13, verse four. It says, let marriage be held in honor among all and let the marriage bed be undefiled. For God will judge the sexually immoral and adulterous. This is a great sin of injustice. This is a great sin of injustice. And the Lord can avenge. He can avenge. He can avenge in this life by chastening you. It could be damaging your reputation. How many how many pastors who have committed this sin out of the ministry? Out of the ministry. How many members who have committed this sin, and next thing you know, it led into other other sins. And where where do we see them? They're gone. We gotta be careful with regards to this. It's not that they lost their salvation. I don't. We don't know that. But if they never if they keep continuing to practice in this sin, it will be evident that the spirit was not upon them because this is a spirit that causes holiness and blameless amongst his people. If they continue in this sin over and over and over and never repent. We got to be careful with regards to that. The Holy Spirit is the spirit that makes us holy. Holy. It gives us the Holy Spirit gives us power and victory over these sins. And so we got to be understanding of this. And so the Lord can chasten you in this life. And if you're a Christian and if you're a child of God, that chastening may result in so many ways where you have to hear, You got to face the consequences of it. Many people have faced the consequences of this sin. They're still, child, they're still children of God. But the Lord has chastened them with regards to this. We are not to play with the Lord with this. Now, those who never again, never repent of this and continue on, the Lord will judge. And that judgment is sending that person to the hellfire. Why is that? Because they never repented. This is the spirit that was... You are supposed to be born again of the Spirit, and if you never show signs of repentance, you you argue, you argue with, against those who uh, point these sins out and help you. You got to be careful. This is a slippery slope into the fires of hell, and ministers must teach the judgment of this sin. Anybody. Who, give, who delivers the word of God, must teach the judgment of this sin. That's why Paul says here, I told you this beforehand and solemnly warned you. Paul was a minister. He knew what they had to deal with. And so he, he warned them, do not fall into this sin. And if you do fall into this sin, the Lord will avenge. You. And we are not to despise his calling. We must make our calling and election sure. And the author of the call is God himself. And then this goes back to how we are to imitate the things of God, or who God is. God is holy. God is righteous. And God, by the power of his spirit, continues to cleanse us more and more. And this is a calling from the Holy Spirit. Paul picks this up from Ezekiel 36, verses 25 to 27. The spirit, again, is the one that cleanses us. It says, I will sprinkle clean water on you and you shall be clean from all your uncleanness, from all your idols. I will cleanse you and I will give you a new heart. That's what this is about, a new heart and a new spirit I put within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and cause you, cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. That's a born-again believer, and that's the promise of the new covenant. And it's the spirit that causes us to put to death th- this sin. Romans eight thirteen for if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. So to despise this commandment from another member, to despise this commandment from an elder, to despise this commandment from a preacher, is you're really despising God. And that's what Paul is getting at here. So the way how we close this is that Christ is coming back for his people. And he will save us and he will rescue us. But we must live lives of purity. We must abstain from sexual immorality. If you're struggling in many areas, we have counselors to help you. Seek advice, do not fall in, keep falling into the sin, and again, be watchful, but always know that the Lord Jesus Christ is for his people. He died on a cross, he was raised again three days, and he's ascended into heaven, And he has given you the Holy Spirit. You have power and victory. Even now, you just gotta battle against the flesh and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and rest in him. And all those who think, all those who are not struggling in certain areas of sexual immorality, be watchful. Again, I've heard many things with regards to ministers who are 70 years old. I heard this yesterday, 70 years old that fell victim to this sin. It happens. Never had had before, but now it, it got exposed. And so we must be watchful. Let us watch each other. Let us love one another. And let us most of all love God. And by us relying upon Jesus Christ and relying upon the spirit, he will give us help. He's already died for our sins. He's already taken our sins upon him. So rest in him more. Rely upon him more. And he will give you the victory. Let us pray. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for this understanding of what your commandment is. Um, And we realize, Lord, that we all fall short of of perfection. We all fall short of even in this sin, O Lord. We pray, O Lord, that you would help us to be guided by the power of your Holy Spirit, that you will allow us, O Lord, repentance to truly hate our sin, to truly sorrow for it, for blessed are those who mourn for their sin. We pray, Lord, that you would have us to have hearts that are mournful and hatred and having a holy hatred towards sin itself and the misery that it causes. And we pray, Lord, that you would have us, O Lord, to love the Lord Jesus Christ and how he, we are in a covenant rela- relationship with him. And we pray, Lord, that you would help us to be amazed by the love of Christ and for the love of you, Heavenly Father. For this is the victory that we have in you. You have promised, Lord, that what you have started, you will complete. But you, O oh Lord, as we know, keep your promise. Not for our namesake, but for the glory of you, O oh Lord. May you be exalted amongst your people. Amen.